Welcome to Trinity on Tap, The New Testament, a podcast series brought to you by Trinity College Queensland, presented by Dr. John Frederick. And so here we are at 1.4, reading across the New Testament. I was in a dialogue with a person recently, and I'm paraphrasing, and the person asked me, why can't we just follow Jesus' teaching to love God and love neighbor rather than have to deal with the Bible? After all, he said, we know the Bible is full of errors and contradictions. And so I asked him, where would you find out about this loving Jesus? And he responded with gusto, the Sermon on the Mount. Great, I said, but the Sermon on the Mount is in the Bible. You see, we can't set aside the Bible to get to Jesus because every reliable thing we know about Jesus, we get from the Bible. In an effort to isolate Jesus as the only source of authoritative teaching for theology from the rest of the Bible, an appeal is strangely made to the Bible, which is the very source that that person is trying to minimize or ignore or avoid or even undermine. We have no reliable, apostolic, inspired testimony to the incarnate word of God, Jesus, except through the Spirit-inspired apostolic testimony about him in the Word of God written, Holy Scripture. Without the Bible, we would have a Christ without any content. Furthermore, contrary to what some would have you think, there is not this sort of competition in Scripture between the authoritative red letters of Jesus and the sort of lesser teachings of St. Paul and the other apostles. Jesus does not need to rescue us from St. Paul by correcting all of the so-called erroneous things that the apostle taught about him. After all, the Bible itself claims that it is, in its entirety, divinely inspired, authoritative, and binding on the doctrine and ethics of Christians. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the author states as much when he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. While 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says that the prophets spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter even refers to Paul's letters as, quote, Scripture in 2 Peter 3, 15 through 16. Following in the footsteps of the apostles, of course, were the early church theologians, people like Origen, Basil, Jerome, Tertullian, Chrysostom, Augustine. They too held that the scriptures, and not Jesus only, were the inspired and authoritative word of God. After these initial figures, the view of the Bible itself as divinely inspired continued, and it was not continued by fringe fundamentalists, but by the universal consensus of Christians, ancient, medieval, and contemporary. Luminaries like Thomas Aquinas, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, some of the greatest theologians to have ever lived, all taught that the Holy Scriptures were verbally inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Westminster Confession of Faith, the Roman Catholic Church, 
the Orthodox Church, all global evangelicals, all global Pentecostals, and the worldwide Anglican Communion, all of these have something in common. All of them hold to the divine inspiration of Scripture as the Word of God written. This is really important to understand as we head into a series on the New Testament. It means that when a scriptural passage is unclear or difficult, we do not have the option of simply ignoring it or skipping it, or worst of all, speaking about the scriptures as if they themselves are unethical and unbecoming of God. Yet, this is precisely what happens in many churches. And it's also the primary reason for the precipitous decline of many churches. We cannot expect people to continue to come and hear our shoulder-shrugging, biblically illiterate, theologically ignorant opinions, or guesses even, about God, and then ask them to devote their time, devote their money, devote their lives to a religion whose ministers and congregants are unable to speak with any sense of clarity or authority, with any sense of resolve or courage about the clear doctrinal and ethical teachings of Scripture. And that goes for all of our churches, across denominations, across the world. Whoa, those are strong words, John, some might be saying. Let's, let's dial it back a bit. Let's be a bit more centrist. Sorry, no. Jesus wasn't a culturally neutral person. He was a culturally offensive extremist, an extremist for love, as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has written. He wasn't some fluffy, vacuous, empty person who talked about a love that says, come as you are and stay that way. The love that Jesus talked about is a holy love. It's a divine love. It's a love that says sin is so bad that it is killing you, but I'm willing to go to death to kill sin. That's not fluffy love. That's radical, aggressive, faithful love for you, for me, and for the whole world. That's the love of God. That is the love that the Bible talks about. The fact of the matter is, Jesus wasn't a gentle centrist, never rocking the boat, touting an unclear message that challenged no one, to which everyone responded, I like this guy. Jesus is my homeboy. Lest we forget, Jesus was considered so offensive to the Greco-Roman and Jewish cultures of the day that he was beaten to within an inch of his life, spit upon, mocked, and then nailed to a cross where he died alone, abandoned by his closest friends undergoing crucifixion, which was the most painful, shameful death possible at that time. When we look at the church today, any church, any denomination, do we see a ferocious, aggressive love, a love for the Word of God, a love for faithfulness, a love for justice, a love for the biblical Christ who bled for us so that we might be saved? Do we see radical devotion to God and the gospel, radical devotion to holiness from people who know themselves to be lost sinners desperately in need of a Savior? 
Or do we see a lukewarm, Christ-themed religious club for generally well-behaved cultural chameleons absorbing whatever ideology the world is currently obsessed with, covering it in a Jesus costume, and reinventing Christianity only to see its efforts crumble under the weight of its own insipid, uninspiring irrelevance. What we as readers of Holy Scripture must aspire to is a posture of teachability, humility, a ferocious faithfulness to God, and not, not fickleness that runs like a child after the latest trends. What we need is a spirit of listening, a spirit of submission to the will of God revealed in His Word. Not only that, we need to develop a commitment to read within the communion of the saints through the ages, to help situate our own engagement with the text within the conversation that's been going on for over 2,000 years. We have a lot to learn from our spiritual mothers and our spiritual fathers in the faith. And to ignore them is not only unwise, it's dangerous. Ignoring the voice of the church and acting as if we individuals need to reinvent the wheel of faith and the meaning of biblical texts, thinking that's the highest form of biblical interpretation is actually the highest form of spiritual narcissism that I can even think of. And it's all too common. And it kills faith. Because what happens is, instead of turning our hearts to God, our desires, our affections, curve in and cave in on themselves. And we become disillusioned when we look within ourselves seeking truth, only to find emptiness. When, if we had just opened our hands in faith, we would find the fullness of God who is for us and who is our Father. Practically speaking, using a study Bible is helpful in this regard. Because the Bible, let's face it, is a hard text to understand. Lots of people think you can just crack it open and instantly follow along. But why should that be the case? It's an ancient text with endless difficult passages in both the Old and the New Testaments. The notes in the bottom of a study Bible, those really help to assist us to, for example, find out why God instructs the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 3.3 to eat a scroll. Warning. If you're a biblical literalist, do not, I repeat, do not eat your Bible. Paper is not food. No matter how much aioli you put on it, it will not be a delicious treat. Looking at the study notes can also help us to find why in Ezekiel 4, verse 12, God instructs Ezekiel to have a barbecue that is powered solely by human excrement. While some people attempt to read large volumes of the biblical texts, unassisted by the wisdom or voice of others through the ages, what good is that if you have no idea why Ezekiel is throwing a God-ordained, prophetic, poo-fueled Barbie? You'll end up with a warped and confused view of God and a potentially terribly unsanitary strategy for sausage sizzle. Read the notes! 
Most contemporary Bibles and all study Bibles will have what is called a concordance in the back of the Bible. Now, this is a tool that is often arranged alphabetically by topic. For example, you'll see temple, and underneath temple, it will list all or most of the major passages in the Bible that contain the word temple or talk about temple in both the Old and New Testaments. By consulting the various passages, this will help you to get a whole Bible picture of any relevant theme about which you're wondering. Likewise, most Bibles will have parallel texts listed in the middle of the page for each verse of the Bible. So, for example, if you're reading Ephesians 4 verse 12 on the body of Christ, the ESV Bible lists parallel verses for that verse in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 9, 13 verse 16, 13 verse 29, and it also lists 1 Corinthians 12 27. Now, by going through and checking out those related verses, reading the study notes provided for those verses, and then consulting the body of Christ in a concordance, you can easily achieve a really robust understanding of the concept of the body of Christ in the New Testament. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel or go at it without any training. You can simply use the resources that are available oftentimes for free online and through study Bibles. And remember, when you study the Bible, this is not meant to be an anti-spiritual, intellectual, dry endeavor. Rather, since the Bible itself is the inspired Word of God and is inspired by the Holy Spirit and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, so that Christians may be equipped for every good work, as 2 Timothy 3 tells us, the study of Scripture, it's not about mere intellectual growth. It's about spiritual growth. The knowledge of God that we want to gain through study, it's not an abstract knowledge. It's a personal knowledge of God himself. And I offer all of these study tips really as a preface to our quest in this Trinity on Tap podcast. You see, there are many ways to provide an introduction to the New Testament, and probably all of them are beneficial. One traditional way is just to get a basic New Testament introduction textbook, like, for example, Mark Allen Powell's excellent book, Introducing the New Testament, or N.T. Wright and Michael Byrd's new volume entitled The New Testament in Its World. Books like these, in addition to introductory resources provided in a good study Bible, such as the NIV study Bible, or the ESV study Bible, or if you're a Catholic, the Ignatius Catholic study Bible, all that stuff will give you an excellent overview of all the main themes of each New Testament book. This approach, the approach where we read one biblical passage that isn't so clear in light of another passage that is much clearer, is called by theologians the process of interpreting Scripture with Scripture. While many, many of the Bible's teachings are clear, there are some things in both Testaments that remain difficult to understand without further consultation. This is why we need not only to read in one book, but to read across the New Testament, and indeed across 
the whole Bible. And that's why I've named this podcast Reading Across the New Testament. Another name for this kind of comprehensive, coherent reading is biblical theology. Reading coherently across the whole Bible. You see, theology operates on the assumption that all of Scripture together provides a coherent, non-contradictory, infallible message. This approach rests on the basic theological truth that Holy Scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, who worked through the biblical authors, maintaining their unique styles and intentions, while also communicating the divine revelation of God and the intentions of God in an infallible manner. So, whenever we read a biblical passage, we can only truly and fully understand it when we let Scripture interpret Scripture, and when we read Scripture from within the heart of the church through the ages, listening to the mothers and fathers of the faith from across time and across cultures. This will lead us to transformational, incredibly powerful Biblical theology. Theology that generates everything that it says from the Spirit-inspired pages of Holy Scripture. Now, in this series, beginning with the next podcast, 2.1, we're going to be introducing key themes of the New Testament by working through a biblical book, 1 Thessalonians, as our starting point. Now, 1 Thessalonians is widely regarded to be the earliest epistle in the New Testament, or at least one of the earliest, and it contains a great theological framework to help us read across the New Testament and to begin reading and interpreting and doing biblical theology like biblical theologians. And this approach is not only going to give you information about the New Testament and its theology and information about 1 Thessalonians, It's actually going to provide you with a pattern that you can apply when you read any other New Testament book in the future so that you can ensure that you are reading within the universal consensus of the church and within the framework of faithfulness provided by the apostolic faith, the faith once delivered to the saints, which can be found in Scripture alone. The Protestant reformers, like Martin Luther, referred to this reality through a Latin phrase, sola scriptura, by scripture alone. In fact, as you begin this quest, it might be helpful to keep what are called the five solas of the Protestant Reformation in mind to help you approach the biblical text faithfully. And these are sola scriptura, by scripture alone, sola gratia, by grace alone, sola fide, through faith alone, solus Christus, in Christ alone, and finally, soli Deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. This week, as we launch into a biblical theology of the whole New Testament, and as we seek to experience Scripture interpreting and illuminating Scripture, I invite you to read through 1 Thessalonians multiple times, and if you can, do it in a study Bible. Read the introductions, read the notes, and get ready. We're about to dive deeply into New Testament theology, and we won't be merely seeking theological facts. 
we will be seeking spiritual formation as we come face to face with Jesus Christ, who comes to us, as Luther famously said, through the crib of Holy Scripture. This podcast was brought to you by Trinity College Queensland. Honest answers to tough questions. Visit trinity.qld.edu.au to learn more.